0: Good I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, moves by the FDA last week signal a pivot in its approach to managing the threat of COVID moving forward, an evolving strategy that was not unexpected, but some are raising doubts about its effectiveness and its timing. Also this morning, nurses are the backbone of the healthcare structure, but an already growing shortage is being made worse by post-pandemic burnout, pushing the entire system to the breaking point. But who's to blame? And no matter if it's six more weeks of winter or an early spring, there's plenty of outdoor fun happening in February for the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rimschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. So many uh, celebrity passings just in the Past uh, several days, As Cindy Williams, uh, both Laverne and Shirley are now gone. That is just man. Part of your childhood just dies when you hear uh, something like that. And of course, locally, uh, the passing of uh, Bob Montgomery. Uh, we we note and we remember Bob, longtime uh, sports voice here on WFIN, and uh, just a, a great person and uh, a great friend and we will miss him terribly. So, not uh, not the best way to start the morning with all of that news. Good mornings to you. It is Tuesday, January 31st. 31st day of 2023, 334 days remaining and let us note this, 48 days until spring, which is certainly worth noting uh, on this what is so far the coldest morning. Is it the coldest morning of the year, which the year's only a month old? but you get the idea the coldest uh, month of the uh, season thus far let's hope that this is let's hope that this is the worst that it gets let's hope that it doesn't uh this isn't just the start of something here uh let's see here so we are well into the super bowl hype cycle now over the next couple of weeks going to be hearing all kinds of stories about the super bowl and about the teams and the players and the coaches and Blah, 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 blah. Oh, the Super Bowl hype uh, begins. It <laughs> uh, was not off to a great start in New York City. Apparently, the Empire State Building in the Big Apple was lit up green. You know, they, they light the Empire State Building different colors, depending on what's going on in the world. They lit it up green to celebrate the Eagles uh, reaching Super Bowl 50, what Is it, 57, 58, fifty. Anyway, reaching the Super Bowl. The Eagles reached the Super Bowl. They lit up the New York City uh the Empire State Building in New York City green, and that did not sit very well with the folks <laughs> in New York because of course they beat the Giants uh on their way to the Super Bowl. Uh and big rivals to the uh New York both New York teams. And the uh, fans in the in the city described the gesture as embarrassing <laughs> as one commenter put it you know you're in new york and not philadelphia right you know uh, um although one optimistic fan had another take saying maybe they had that color ready for the jets and were tired of waiting <laughs> maybe that's um <laughs> and it was uh interesting even the governor weighed in on this kathy Hokel Uh, made sure to point out that the uh, state of New York has absolutely no control over the lights in the Empire State Building. So even the governor felt the need to weigh in to to make sure nobody blamed her. (laughs) Oh, goodness. By the way, you're going to be watching the Super Bowl? Well, of course you're going to be watching the Super Bowl. What a dumb question. Here's the big question. Will your pets be watching the Super Bowl with you? New survey suggests that many people believe their pet is just as big, if not a bigger sports fan, than they are. Their pets. This is a 2,000 pet owners surveyed. Four in five claim that their pets are bigger sports fans than they are. Um, 68% identified as sports fans themselves. Um, They said 79%. 79% say they watch sports with their pets. 83% said that their pets have a favorite sport to watch. And so naturally, they asked, well, which sport would that be? Apparently, pets appear to be drawn to sports with a lot of action and running. Uh, Football, uh, far and away number with the number one sport for pets at 40%. Soccer, 19% and basketball, 14%. So I don't know uh it said uh most sports fans say that they are bringing their pets to the Super Bowl viewing party, so there you go I don't know uh, <laughs> we love our pets, but do we really think that they're sports fans? I mean honestly, do you really think that it is a sports fan? i don't know uh speaking of sports, this is uh a totally different uh sport. Uh, not related to the Super Bowl, the Hershey Bears minor league hockey team in Pennsylvania has broken a world record once again for their teddy bear toss. Uh, This is an annual tradition where fans bring thousands of teddy bears and other stuffed animals to throw onto the ice after the Bears' first goal of the night. They set a day for the teddy bear toss. They donate them to charity, obviously. But what do you do? What do you do when it is a scoreless tie? Uh, Since the team did not score against the Bridgeport Islanders on Sunday, uh, fans went ahead and began throwing the toys with five seconds left in the game. (laughs) They hadn't scored. So it was like, well, we got to get rid of these toys. So they all started throwing them. With five seconds left, over 64,000, I'm sorry, 67,300 bears and other toy animals were thrown onto the rink. 67,000, um, which is about 15,000 more than were tossed last year. Uh, all of them were picked up and donated to charities uh, there in uh, central Pennsylvania. But that's, <laughs> that's crazy. 67,000 bears. There's got to be video of this. I haven't seen it, but um, was there any ice left to to skate on? They have to bring out a plow to blow up all of the the bears. 67,000 bears. But kudos to fans of the Hershey Bears. That's actually really cool. Uh, A couple of other items. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. You've heard of the Great Resignation, right? Uh, People leaving their jobs in record numbers. A lot of this um, precipitated by the pandemic. People deciding to start their own business or go off and do something that they love or uh, just chuck it all and become nomads or something. I don't know. The Great Resignation. Apparently, a new poll suggests that what is fueling America's Great Resignation is that many workers simply aren't happy where they are currently working. And nearly as many employees say their current workplace is toxic. That's become a buzzword. Toxic workplaces. Which, of course, everybody has a different definition of that. But uh, nearly as many as... Uh, Uh, In the survey, and this was uh, commissioned by Aris Composites, 74% of respondents say that they are not happy with their jobs. And nearly as many say their current workplace is toxic and they cannot trust the people that they work for. 74%. That's three out of four. So employers make note of this. Um, Breaking this down a bit, women slightly uh unhappier than men with their current roles 27% for women and 24% of men who are displeased with their jobs so uh if you are an employer if you are a manager you got some work to do there thought that was uh worth noting so we start our day start another work day this morning and uh here is a story. I don't know if you happen to see this. This popped up in my uh, social media feed uh, a couple of days ago, and it was a, a rather touching story, heartbreaking story. It does have a happy ending, but is there a deeper meaning that there deeper purpose to the story that maybe we are missing? Um, a story about a, a four-year-old dog named Lilo. Um. That uh, now has been reunited with her owner after a Tennessee Animal sh- uh, Center shared a post about the dog on, on Facebook. The staff at McCamey Animal Center of Chattanooga um, shared on social media that they had found this dog along with a note. Lilo arrived at the Animal Center a few days ago after a good Samaritan found her wandering the streets with her leash still attached. Uh, likely near where she was uh, abandoned by her family. The note read, the note attached to Lilo's collar, said, please keep my name. My name is Lilo. Please love me. My mom can't keep me and is homeless with two kids. She tried her best but can't get help, and I cost too much for her to take care of. She really loves me, and I'm a great dog and love to be loved on. Please don't abuse me. That was the the note on Lilo's collar. So a good Samaritan uh, brought the dog to the uh, Animal Control Center, and they posted on social media, we are so sorry that you had to make the decision to leave your dog behind. Um, and uh, they went on to uh, say that if you are reading this, we hope you will come forward to reclaim your dog. We'll help you with whatever you need to care for to the best of our ability. Uh, now, the uh, center's... Uh, director says within 24 hours, Lilo and her owner were reunited and sharing a big hug. Now that Lilo and her owner uh, have been reunited, uh, the uh, staff there at McCarney Animal Center are working to assist the family. Uh, They have also announced a new CARES fund that was established in Lilo's honor which aims to prevent family pets from being separated from their family. So it's great that the story has a happy ending. You might have seen this pop up in your uh, social media feed. I know it popped up on mine a couple of days ago, so it's it's good to see that it has a happy ending. But somebody uh, made a really good point that is uh, worth thinking about, and this is something to chew on here this morning. What does it say about the fact that this post went viral, people trying to help the dog when... It seems as the family that is homeless can't find any help. We are so quick to respond with this outpouring of support when it is a dog in distress, but the family being in distress is what led to it, and it seems like uh, the family, at least uh, according to the story, has kind of fallen through the cracks. And it does. It kind of, uh, when you think about it, uh, really makes you think. So, but it's good that it has a happy ending, and hopefully the family are uh, going to be back on their feet very soon, and they have their dog with them. So good news there. Here you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly sunny today with a high of 21, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 10. The City of Finley will be contacting the owners of approximately 400 parcels that have been identified for annexation into the City of Finley corporation limits. Mayor Christina Mearn says a public meeting will be held to go over the properties that are proposed to be annexed and to answer questions from the public.
2: The City of Finley team recognizes that annexation is a complex and important topic. We look forward to working with property owners to ensure that this is a collaborative process that assists both the property owners and the City of Finley to clean up our corporation map and position the City of Finley for future
3: development.
1: On our website, you can check out an overview of the proposed annexation areas, as well as get answers to frequently asked questions about the annexation process. Bob Montgomery has passed away. He was the longtime color commentator for WFIN's Finley Trojans basketball and football games. Former WFIN sports director Chris Miller called many, many games with Bob and says they became great friends over the years.
2: And, uh, man, I just, my side hurts just thinking of some of the things we did and went through and some of the great times we had together. Man, I love that guy.
1: Bob Monk Montgomery is in the University of Finley Athletics Hall of Fame and was a teacher at Finley High School and coached at the high school and college level. Visitation will be on Friday and funeral services on Saturday at Cauldron Crate's Funeral Home. Blanchard Valley Health System has developed an associate wellness room, which is a stress-free environment that helps associates manage their busy work days. BVHS says it's part of an organization-wide initiative to invest in the mental health and well-being of team members. Get more on the website. The Cleveland Guardians have announced the passing of John Adams, a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan and bleacher drummer for the team for decades. Since
0: 1973, John Adams has been the heartbeat of Cleveland baseball games, keeping the spirit in the ballpark alive.
1: The Guardians say John's dedication, commitment, and passion to the franchise at both Cleveland Stadium and Progressive Field was unmatched, and he'll forever remain a member of the team. See a video tribute to John on the website. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now to
0: our cover story this morning. Last week, the FDA signaled a pivot in its approach to managing the threat of COVID moving forward. And we are joined by Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baruti. And the reason we wanted to uh, talk to you, get your kind of your thoughts uh, on this, because uh, it seems like every time the uh, FDA uh, announces a, a change or or changes its strategy, in in any way, it kind of reignites all of the questions and all of the uh, debates over whether it's the right strategy, whether we're doing things right, and and the the FDA can you know make all of its uh, recommendations and talk about the strategy, but at the end of the day. Uh, it's individuals such as yourself that are kind of on the front lines uh, who see how this all plays out. And I guess the the, the first question, and this has been the, the question since the very beginning of the pandemic, how frustrating has it been on the front lines to see how political all of this has uh, become? Because this is, every time we talk about it, it's like a, a stick of dynamite.
4: Sure. Um, thank you for having me chris um and uh it's a pleasure to be here in this new year uh I, If I can start with some good news, I think uh across the board, all respiratory illnesses and infections in Hancock County are down mm-hmm. um you know the ones we're we're watching flu um COVID RSVs so they're all down this is this is really good news yeah, and, and that it, time that time uh, in the season too
0: yeah the beginning of the uh, season that was uh, one of the big concerns we had, kind of we, we, had we had we had a big rise. pike yeah.
4: um, uh, you know big peak uh, peaking mm-hmm. earlier in this season and hopefully you know what now we're we're settling down a little bit um going back to the COVID vaccine it's been really frustrating in the last three years um you know vaccine no vaccine uh, mm-hmm. the debate about the vaccine right. uh, it's a new technology that we've used in the vaccine mm-hmm. um but I think the FDA is using the best science available to them at that time. Yeah. Um. And uh, the latest meeting that was, um, you know, uh, last week, and you know, uh, that that they were considering, okay, simplifying the vaccine schedule for COVID.
0: Simplifying the vaccine schedule, changing, altering the vaccine a little bit to account for uh, new. And we were talking about this a little bit. The reason uh, behind the reformulation, but of course, that's the word that everybody kind of harped on. Is oh, they're going to reformulate the vaccine? What does that mean? But again,
4: this is this is all part of uh, the the evolving strategy that was kind of expected. Absolutely, and, and and the pandemic evolved, you know, very rapidly the last right. three years. We started with you know the the original um, uh, COVID uh, SARS CoV two mm-hmm. that evolved into um, you know uh, from Alpha, it has sub variants from Alpha to Omicron, mm-hmm. um, then Omicron sub variants um, showed up la- uh, late last year, right? Um, and that's when they came up, uh, or kind of they approved the bivalent, which is include a little bit of Omicron because it, it's a total recombination, mm-hmm. um, and a little bit of the original virus. Um what they considered last week was okay, moving forward here do we still need that bivalent or or even more moving forward and how do we have a strategy to simplify it, make it easier, uh kind of one vaccine um uh, a year similar to the flu, uh people are familiar with how we we deal with right. flu now. Um and that's what they considered. And I think right rightfully so, they looked at a lot of studies um, you know, looking okay. The 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 Omicron the vaccine that had the Omicron components in it uh, gave a sharper immune response to you know to whatever came after that. Mm-hmm. And and that was uh, another. Again, we talked. I remember talking back. When
0: all of this started and the expectation was that ultimately this would probably it wasn't like COVID was going to go away, that ultimately this would probably be a yearly vaccine, a yearly booster uh, that would be would be needed. And so here we are. And yet again, when they when it comes up and says, oh, it's going to be a yearly thing. And there are some people say, oh, is that the right strategy? Is that going to, you know, or, or is the public going to you know be OK with that?
4: Yeah. I, I hope simplifying that that vaccine schedule, the public is going to be okay. It's mm. going to be, you know, just like the flu. Um, all the subvariants and recombination of Omicron variants and everything else that we hear about lately, um, they're all coming in mild. So, you know, th- th- through the virus evolving through the years here, um, it, it's presenting itself as a threat to some of our population who are vulnerable and, you know, they have an immunosuppressed system. Um, and that's why we have to be a little more careful on how we approach flu, how we approach COVID, how we approach any illness for that matter. Um, if there's a vaccine that will give us, you know, minimal pro, you know, protection for it uh, against severe illness, against throwing us in the hospital or, or, or anything like that, um, I think we should consider it. Um, now there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, combining the flu and, and, and the COVID as well. Right. Um, the, the, from, from a, a frontline standpoint, like you mentioned earlier, um, it's easier for us to kind of, uh, we want to, it's going to be convenient. Yeah. Uh, that first and second shot and the booster and the, and the time that you need in between, um, and, uh, different age groups, It all this gets is complicated. all complicated yeah. things. And I think, um, fuzzy the science behind, uh, behind why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. We were improvising as we go. I mean, it was a public health emergency, and mm-hmm. we heard uh, you know, late yesterday that uh, probably on the national level this is going to end as well. So it, I think we're, we're, we're uh, emerging pretty nicely out of this uh, yeah. COVID pandemic
0: yeah that that was another uh interesting thing and this is uh, kind of a reflection on where we've been to this point uh, again when people say, Well, this has all changed uh, over the past couple of a couple of three years you know uh you know the advice changes and the the strategy on vaccination changes well that again is to be expected the more we learn about the the disease itself and how best to treat it and how best to fight it and prevented and so on. Um you're gonna go with the best of what you know at the time, but as you know more, then the guidance is gonna change. It's it's not really that difficult to figure out.
4: No, definitely. I mean you you're you're absolutely right. And and we are to expect changes to the COVID as well. Um, and that's why the panelists um you know that met last week um, were considering okay, this is gonna evolve and change, and we have to be um on the look for for to to trigger a sharper immune response mm-hmm. um, every year and just like like the flu they yeah. they will convene and kind of uh, figure out some
0: what is the status of vaccine penetration here locally i mean where where were, and and have you seen with the uh the latest booster uh a decline in the number of people who have gotten that as compared to those who got the original vaccine a year or so ago yeah
4: and uh, yes we did and that's kind of to be expected as well because mm-hmm. the disease became milder um So it was affecting only a certain population um and that certain population who again were more um at risk of covid uh with with more complications and you know ending up in the hospital, they were seeking the booster um and they were seeking the booster kind of a seasonally, you know, a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, we mm-hmm. got busy a couple of weeks before Christmas, we got busy. so people got the idea that you know what it's winter time we're all in- enclosed indoors, we're getting together, we're traveling. Uh, we need to protect ourselves. I think. I think the, the main science behind the vaccine is getting through to people. It's just a matter of um, uh, removing politics out of it.
0: Yeah, uh, and the advice and the
4: the guidance is for everyone to get the booster if you haven't already. As for now, that's correct. As for now, if you haven't already, um, the booster is still available. We do have walk-in clinics uh, every Friday morning at the health department. You just walk in um and request the booster
0: and i guess that also uh, leads to as you were mentioning the other uh you know the flu vaccine we talked during the course of the pandemic over the past couple of years the way uh some uh kids especially had gotten sort of off schedule with their uh some of their vaccines and and boosters and and so on getting everybody back on track again that message remains
4: absolutely and it's getting a lot better now we we're getting a lot of um, uh, kids and families who miss their you know on um, their vaccination schedules um, coming back and, and getting the vaccines and getting their kids protected uh, i think this is important and uh, i think that's what's uh, what's keeping us safer than others and
0: uh, especially important to avoid the the ripple effect uh the uh, conversation and the debate over the best way to fight covid and and having that ripple and, and trickle down to those other vaccines that are so critical, especially uh, for kids, because we've seen resurgence of some childhood illnesses that have long been thought to have been all but eradicated.
4: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's getting better too. Like I said, a, a lot of families, a lot of uh, are bringing back their kids. Say, you know what, well, we're going to go get back on schedule here. Uh, it's been a rough, you know, two, or three years for all of us, but uh, it's time to go back. To-
0: and uh, again, as you mentioned, for anyone who doesn't have their uh, latest COVID booster, the uh, annual flu shot and, and so on, you have. Uh, they are available. still available. Okay. Absolutely, uh, We've got a link up on our webpage for uh, more information, again, from uh, Hancock Public Health, Commissioner Kareem Baruti with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for t- today.. by. we appreciate it. Well, you know, one thing the pandemic reminded us of was the importance of those frontline health care workers. We gained a new respect for nurses who play such a critical role in the system and yet often go overlooked and underappreciated, frankly. They are, in fact, the backbone of the health care system, yet they are burning out in record numbers and they are in critically short supply. Dr. Iman Abuzaid is the co-founder and CEO of Incredible Health, which is an employment platform for the nursing profession. And Dr. Abuzeid, we saw the effects of this in the news just within the past month when nurses in New York City walked off the job because conditions had become so tenable. And that is a condition that is more common than we'd probably like to admit.
2: Uh, that's right, yeah. Nurses have gone through quite a lot over the last three years, um, You know, including um, high levels of burnout, stress, anxiety. Uh, about 30% of nurses are Expected to leave the profession permanently in the next 12 months, so uh, we definitely need to do more to support our nurses.
0: So, how can we do that as communities and uh, even at the individual level? How can we rally to support uh, the nurses that we have?
2: Yeah, so local communities can do quite a lot to support nurses. So, for example, if you're a business owner, uh, you know, offering discounts or freebies to nurses is always appreciated. If you have a nurse in your life more personally, uh, you know, giving them the gifts of appreciation, like a spa gift card or even notes of appreciation is always, always helpful uh, mentally. And then finally, if you're running a hospital or a health system, uh, there's quite a bit you can do, uh, including offering flexible scheduling and offering more career advancement programs. Uh, both of those are proven to show to improve nurse retention. As well as uh, help you hire more nurses too.
0: Yeah, that was actually going to be my next uh, question. So, uh, since you touched on that, how can uh, employers? Because I mean, you know, individuals and in the community supporting nurses—that's all. That's all great, and and certainly it has an impact. But at the end of the day. Um, I would imagine, like any profession, it really falls on the employer to make sure that they have a a healthy workplace environment uh, to uh, prevent uh, in this case nurses from burning out and from quitting the profession
2: that's right uh, so one one area that they that hospitals and health systems can focus on is flexible scheduling you know the days of a nurse working full time three days a week, twelve hour shifts are over. And so we're seeing more and more hospitals offer uh, in addition, part-time options, uh, eight-hour shifts, four-hour shifts, weekend shift options, you know, just more flexibility in in, in schedules. So nurses are able to fit their work uh, more easily into their life. Uh, And then the second area is career advancement programs. So nurses are career-oriented individuals. So programming, including expanding their skills, uh, helping them specialize further, helping them move into leadership, You know, these are all areas uh, of of programming and investment in terms of helping careers, helping nurses develop their careers. Um, All of that should help uh, retain more nurses uh, as well as make the, the profession more sustainable.
0: I can hear uh, some uh, healthcare administrators say, I would love to be able to uh, give nurses more flexibility in their scheduling, shorter shifts. That would be good for not only them, but would be good for the patients as well. But we don't have enough nurses in order to do that. So again, reemphasizes the importance of drawing people into this profession.
2: Uh, absolutely. So, encouraging more Americans to join uh, the nursing profession to go to nursing school, as well as supporting them after nursing school, is going to be critical for all of us as a country to in- to increase, uh, frankly, the supply of healthcare workers uh, in this country. You know, our demand for healthcare continues to increase as our population ages, uh, and the demand on the healthcare system is very high and is projected to continue to to increase. So we really need to do more to increase the number of healthcare workers in the U.S.
0: So that kind of leads us to your platform, Incredible Health, and how that uh, helps uh, nurses who are in the profession find those roles uh, and those positions that are a right fit. Because, again, with any profession, finding the right fit is important.
2: Absolutely. So we are at Incredible Health is a software company headquartered in San Francisco, but we operate nationally, including in Ohio. Um, and uh, hospitals and health systems, they use our software to hire nurses in permanent roles in less than 20 days. So as a nurse, you can sign up for free uh, and the employers are going to apply to you instead of instead of waiting for the nurses to apply to the employers. So we really flipped it around and the nurses love the experience is over 2000 uh, five-star reviews across Google and Facebook and the Apple App Store. In addition, nurses can use Incredible Health for free continuing education, which is accredited in all 50 states. They can also use it for uh, to, to use nurse to use our salary estimators, and then they also have access to a community of nurses where they can ask each other for advice, too. All of this is 100% for free uh, for nurses, and nurses can sign up at incrediblehealth.com slash radio to access all of these uh, tools and services that help them get their next Ah, permanent job in less than two weeks, as well as helping help them manage their careers.
0: Let me ask you to speak directly to uh, nurses a- as well, because again, as we talk about all of these things that can help uh, prevent burnout, show nurses that they are uh, appreciated and that they are needed and that they are valued. For all of that, which is great. At the end of the day, um. You, you have to kind of take control of your own mental health and career management and you know uh, uh, avoiding burnout and all of that it, it really falls on for many nurses themselves how can those in the profession find help and assistance in terms of managing all of these challenges, not the least of which is uh the growing amount of burnout uh, in the profession, finding uh, resources to help manage all of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Each individual nurse needs to be highly proactive with managing their careers. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a whole range of resources available at incrediblehealth.com uh, slash radio that they can access. But, you know, it's really taking, really being extremely thoughtful about how you want your career to evolve, what your career goals are. And uh, working with employers that are are going to help you achieve those goals is is going to be critical. Um, In addition, you know, requesting um, more flexible scheduling and more access to more career advancement programs is going to be critical for your career as well. And then just really just making sure you have access to a very strong community of nurses. That can be online communities like the ones we have at incrediblehealth.com. Or you know your your you know your offline communities like your local communities where you can uh, really stay in touch with more with more nurses and can really lean on each other too.
0: At the end of the day, uh, it's about uh, supporting uh, these critical healthcare workers uh, at the local level at the individual level to help. Uh, manage uh, and avoid these uh, problems to the best that we can, because like we said, this is a growing issue within the healthcare industry, within the nursing profession. Dr. Iman uh again, is co-founder and CEO of Incredible Health. You mentioned the website where we can uh, find out more information, where nurses can find those resources. Mention that one more
2: time. Absolutely. The website is incrediblehealth.com slash radio.
0: Dr. Abouzid, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank
2: you for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: A food service director uh, in uh, Chicago is being accused of stealing. <laughs> oh, let me say a food service director uh, is being accused of stealing one and a half million dollars worth of chicken wings from a Chicago area school district, <laughs> Vera Liddell is accused of ordering more than eleven thousand cases of chicken wings from the school district's food provider and then picking them up herself uh in a district uh school school district owned cargo van she <laughs> she just kept them. Uh, court records say the fraud began during the height of the pandemic when students were unable to attend classes in person. And here, for some reason, she decided to order a million and a half dollars worth of chicken wings. And that raised some questions. (laughs) How did she think she was going to get away with it? Kids aren't in school and you're ordering a million and a half dollars worth of chicken wings for the school cafeteria. Uh, the theft was, uh, discovered during a mid-year audit when the district realized it was $300,000 over its food budget. Uh, Ms. Liddell is currently in jail on $150,000 bond. There is, it says there is no word on what happened to the chicken wings. Well, she was planning a big party, but she's in jail now. And so she can't have the, <laughs> she's going to have a big Super Bowl party or something. Can you imagine she's sitting there in jail? Her cellmate is, What are you in for? Uh, I stole a million and a half dollars worth of chicken wings. From a school cafeteria, so, <clears> that's a delicious. Uh, <laughs> from the international file of the broken news, a mining company in Australia has some splaining to do after they lost a radioactive capsule somewhere. In an 870-mile stretch of land, (laughs) authorities, (laughs) it's somewhere out there at at 870 square miles. Radioactive capsule. uh, Authorities are combing through uh, through the region looking for the capsule, which may have fallen off a truck while it was being taken to Perth, Australia, earlier this month. Emergency services were contacted in late January. Um, like two and a half weeks after the fact, they were finally, they finally called uh, emergency services. Uh, this is a really tiny capsule. Uh, it's uh, only about three-tenths of an inch long. And people have been warned that it is small enough that it could become lodged in the tread of their car tires. But if you... Happen to find it. Don't touch it. Exposure to the substance in the capsule could cause skin burns or even cancer. The CEO of Rio Tinto Iron Ore has apologized for causing public concern. <laughs> really? You've apologized? Well, that's nice. But it's a three-tenths of an inch capsule lost somewhere in an 870-mile uh 800 square uh 870 mile stretch of uh of land somewhere talk about looking for a needle in the haystack wow uh let's see elsewhere in the broken news uh back closer to home this in uh the chicago area a suspect remains at large after stealing a funeral van with a body inside. Ooh. The Collins and Stone Funeral Home reports that uh, Illinois police recovered the van but then realized the body of Curtis Brown was no longer in the cargo area. At some point, the two had been separated. The day after the van was recovered, the body was found in Chicago. Mr. Brown's brother believes someone may have been trying To steal his organs. Police are looking for. They have a suspect 23 year old uh, Dion Howard. They're looking for Mr. Howard who faces charges of unlawful possession of a stolen vehicle and abuse of a corpse. Man, that is crazy. I mean, you would think you would hope that they stole the vehicle, not realizing the body was inside. The very idea that it was the body that they were after all along is even more disturbing. How about this? Talk about your travel nightmares. A flight left Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, flew for 13 hours only to land right back in Dubai. It was a 13-hour flight to nowhere. Emirates flight ek 448 was supposed to land in Auckland, New Zealand, but the Auckland airport closed on Saturday due to flooding, heavy rains in the area, and they couldn't handle air traffic. Well, just so happened that that flight was about halfway through its 9,000-mile journey, and so what do you do? (laughs) You're halfway there. You can't land, so the flight turned around and landed back in Dubai. Uh, After midnight on uh, Saturday, the uh, flight was rescheduled for the next day when Auckland Airport resumed international flights. The airline apologized to its customers for the inconvenience. Can you imagine being on a 13-hour flight to nowhere, uh, ending up back where you started, and then the next day having to get back on board and do it all over again? I don't think that I can handle a 13-hour flight once, not to say anything of twice in two days. Wow. And uh, speaking of flights, how about this story in the broken news about a man who recently boarded a ghost flight on his way to Fiji? Uh, He was leaving Australia, uh, leaving the Sydney airport, going to Fiji, and it turned out it was a ghost flight which is the term they give when you have an entire airplane all to yourself. Uh, According to a now viral TikTok video that was posted earlier this month, Robbie Allen arrived at the airport only to be greeted at his gate, the virtual ghost town. There was nobody else there. He was the only person at the gate. And so he immediately knew something was up when Robbie got on board he was told that he was the only person on the plane. <laughs> he said during, during the flight, the captain came over, sat, chat with him, uh, chatted with him for a while, the co pilot. They kind of took turns. Throughout the flight, the, the staff, because the, the flight was fully staffed, so all of the uh, flight attendants kept dropping by to check in, <laughs> offered him whatever he wanted. He said it was like living my best life for a four-and-a-half-hour journey. His only regret, as he uh, posted on social media, he said he, his only regret regret, <laughs> was that he had paid extra for business class. And it turned out he didn't have to because he was the only one on the play. He could have sat anywhere he darn well pleased. Would be my luck. I would have. I would have the. I, I would have the, my choice of any seat on the plane. I'd be the only person on the plane, and I would have. It would have been the one time when I paid to upgrade to like first class or something. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report and update on the odd and unusual side of the news. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another
2: major brand just announced just halting all social media advertising.
4: The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth. Using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's
1: on. This message provided by WFIN.
0: Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. And this may actually kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier uh, with respect to uh, the FDA making all of these changes in their COVID strategy and people being a little skeptical and uh, about this. Because uh, in general, we're just skeptical of the government. You Remember when uh, Ronald Reagan said uh, government is not the solution to the problem, government is the problem. Uh, Even today, people seem to still feel that way. A new Gallup poll shows that Americans across all political ideologies have one thing in common. We are not happy with the government. Uh, In this uh, latest survey, Americans cited the government and or poor leadership as the nation's top problem, the top problem facing our country. In January, the latest iteration of this poll earlier this month, 21% of those in the survey pointed to our elected leaders as the biggest problem we have in America today. Back in the November-December uh, survey, uh, asking the same question, it was 15%. So that's a 6% jump uh, in, just a, in just a month. Uh, by comparison, the economy and high inflation tied for second in terms of the biggest problems we have in this country. Uh, at just 15 percent so again a distant second to the government or poor leadership as the number one problem Uh, illegal immigration is a growing concern according to the latest poll 11 percent cited that as the top problem in the country up from eight percent uh late last year but still only third on the list the economy in general was the fourth most popular response Uh, at 10 percent and the state of our seemingly divided country uh, round out the uh, top five the state of our divided country the fifth uh, most popular response to the question of uh, the biggest problem facing the country Um, and it is worth noting uh, as i alluded to earlier respondents were more than five times more upset at the government than they were about rising crime which was only four percent of the response and again this was across the board um republicans and democrats um and even independents all basically had the same response within just a couple percentage points uh, of the overall total but the government and or poor leadership cited as the number one problem across the board for different reasons probably but across the board So later this week, uh, the groundhog will poke its little head up and tell us whether we're going to have six more weeks of winter or whether we're going to get an early spring. But either way, there's plenty of outdoor fun (laughs) in the month of February with the Hancock Park District and Michelle Rumschlag is here. Yes. Uh, i
3: forgot it's you know, i mean I it, we're we're transitioning into february and i kind of forgot yeah groundhog yeah. day is coming
0: thursday up. thursday we're gonna find yes. we're gonna find out six more weeks or in an early it's gonna spring be
3: cold so i don't know one
0: way or the other that's the thing it's, it's, it's
3: like this be. morning i mean it's beautiful out it is there's no wind which is not but it's cold right I mean, but the sunrise was, was
0: the sun and the sun makes it bearable the sun makes yes. it bearable um Always a good time to get out in the in the parks. You've got a number of things that have uh, uh, that are on the schedule for the month of February. February. Where do we start here?
3: Well, uh, if you want to get out and hike, we've got um, this Saturday a winter scavenger hunt taking place at Blue Rock Nature Preserve, and so that's the smaller preserve um, that's off that's on Edgar Avenue, kind of off Main Street, kind of south of the the hospital. Okay, just to give everybody a reference. Um, It's going to be at 2 o'clock. All ages are welcome. It's free. You don't need to register. And then, right, just kind of seeing, you know, the signs of winter, um, you know, because there's animals still active. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody hibernates or or migrates. And so, yeah, just kind of bundle up because I think it's calling for cooler weather, you know, from here out the rest of the week.
0: (laughs) Cooler weather. That's a nice (laughs) way of saying it's going to be really, really cold.
3: But, see, we need this cold because, um, you know, we could – we haven't had skiing yet, but we haven't had enough snow. But I mean, we had that that storm last week, but mm-hmm. everything melted. Right. I don't think the ground was cold enough because it snowed all morning, and mm-hmm. I kept watching, and it didn't accumulate. So, yeah. So we need we need the cold. I mean, it's cold so it's for get... for nature, right? So we need the cold weather.
0: So we get the snow that sticks.
3: The snow that and sticks, we can, right? We so can ski. It's not looking good for this. I don't think there's any more precipitation this week. So not this weekend. Mm-hmm. But now the last couple of years we've had snow in February. We've right. had enough. But we need, you know, four six inches, you know. Mm-hmm. And at Riverbend. So I go out and I look. But, so I mean it might look great in your yard. I mean, if you're seeing grass, it's not it's
0: right. not gonna, it's not right. Happen. Um the the upside yeah. to uh cross country skiing is you don't need as much snow as you as you would for, say for a downhill or right. you know something like that. It's it's not like you need you know, a foot of fresh powder.
3: But. No, you just need that good base because when we've opened, I mean, you know, a lot of people come out because we haven't had a lot of snow and we're not open as much. And so you need to have it and it'd be colder. Even even last week, it was a wet snow and that's yeah. not good to cross-country skiing. So so this cold weather is good. And then maybe we'll see you next week, you know, going good. into getting some more accumulation. but
0: again remember that that uh, is still a thing through what February it's and through February March. yeah
3: so our so the rentals on the weekends and our workshops are still available Saturdays and February and then um yep on Saturdays and Sundays for the rental It's just, we need, you know, and we put stuff out there. We, you know, people call and, you know, if it's looking iffy and we're always, oh my gosh, I was watching the weather all the time last week just to see. (laughs) But once the rain was going to come and mix, I'm like, yeah, Yeah. it wasn't going to be the right type of precipitation that we needed.
0: So what else is uh, going on uh, this coming month?
3: Well, we have our annual Papa Show um, taking place. And this is out at Oakwood's Nature Preserve inside the Discovery Center. And we have two days that... uh, for the public, they can come out and watch um, this show, It or this year, it's going to be The Barn. And so we'll have, of course, our puppets and our stage, and we sing and we dance. It's a whole production for us. So um, this is kind of taking place of our Discovery story. So with the, on Monday, February 6th, um, we have show times at 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock. And then for those, uh, and we've got school kids coming out from kindergarten classes and preschools all week uh, next week. And then on Sunday, February 12th, we're open again to the public at 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock. So okay. if you've got a preschool or an early-aged elementary um, child, again, there's no there's no charge. Come on out. Or grandkids. Or grandkids, right. right? Or, you know, if you come out when you were older or younger and you miss it and want to feel nostalgic. Because <laughs> we've done these for sure. years. Um Right, so it's going to be, you know, it'll be a good time. So again, that's Monday the 6th at 10 and 1 and Sunday the 12th at 1 and 3.
0: Okay, Uh, anything else to uh, highlight in the month of February?
3: Uh, So if you want to head out to the McInnes house, that will take place on Sunday, February 19th. Of course, 1 to 4, stop on in. And it's called Going Nuts. So we're going to be talking about, of course, the, you know, walnut trees and hickory trees that they would have had in the woods would have been very important of course, for the wood, but of course, we're going to bake with it. We always have our yummy treats, and so we're going to have um, some walnut cookies and hickory nut bread
0: uh-huh.
3: for sampling and okay. baking in the um, baking in the uh, cook stove there, and so just talking about that. And then other uses. They would have made ink out of walnut shells. Really? Yes. So, hmm. you know, before the world of, you know, I think they probably had ink. I'm not sure when regular ink was invented, you know, at the store, but mm-hmm. for, you know, the pioneers were very... Um, you know, would have made things... Well, right, self-sufficient. And had, very self-sufficient, right. And, and you would I, have
0: to be, uh, especially this time of year, because it would have been difficult to get into town
3: right, in the wintertime. Right. So, so you would have had, of course, you know, th- you know, going into the woods and, you know, you wouldn't have planted necessarily not trees like maybe we do today or like your orchard, mm-hmm. but definitely would have been watching all of your mass-producing trees where they're at. Kids, it, That would have mm-hmm. been the kid's job. Going out, collecting, yeah. storing and then able to use them, right, to eat, and then also with their their baking and stuff. So we'll be talking about that. So that's Sunday, February 19th, from 1 until 4, out at Litsenburg Memorial
0: Woods. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Anything else to uh, make mention of? I know the full schedule is on the uh, website. Yeah,
3: hancockparks.com. Coming up on Wednesday, February 22nd, we've got a a program um, on animal nest box plans. So this is kind of a gearing toward... Um, thinking spring, which I know some people start doing that once. Well, December Groundhog answer, Day. Right. Once you hit day. Groundhog
0: Day, then it's time to start thinking about spring. Thinking
3: spring. Um, and so this way, you know, you can learn about the different types of nest boxes. We're going to have plans there um, and all the animals that, you know, use them. So I know some people, you can build them for bluebirds. You can build them for owls. You can build bat boxes, bees, um, other insects. So there's a variety of things. You know, if you want to provide that habitat and draw these animals into your yard, mm-hmm. um, like bats, people, you know, we bats eat mosquitoes. It's a we're, big we're not we're big not, not in mosquito time, but oh my gosh, they eat hundreds of mosquitoes a night. Yeah, and so they're
0: good to have around. Yes, and so you don't they, want them in your eaves. You want them in the bat boxes, but
3: right, don't eat them in your house. But, um, but so this good to way, have you know, you can kind of learn about, you know, or, or think a lot of, you know or just nest boxes for songbirds. There's a mm-hmm. lot of things that that sure. build besides that need that besides besides bluebirds. So this is in the evening, 6:30 to 8:30. Again, you can just stop on in and we'll have our examples that we have out and plans on that. So that will get you gearing up for putting them out because the animals good. at that point, right, we're starting to get into our more daylight and warmer temperatures around the corner not not february don't <laughs> don't get to you not, know not yet, not yet. but coming. it's still february and really, it's coming. It, it hasn't been that cold and snowy i mean yeah. we've had a pretty
0: all you, things considered
3: all the, well, how is it a bad good bad winter bad. i need it's more bad snow bad. i mean i you know i can always use more snow so <laughs>
0: Some of the uh, highlights of February programming uh, and events and such uh, with the Hancock Park District. And again, for all of this uh, information, uh, all of the programs you've got it on the website, and folks can sign up online for any of the programs that you need to sign up for.
3: Right, right. HancockParks.com. And then just putting, of course, you know, I'll be back at the end of February to talk spring, but our full spring calendar will be out probably mid-February, including summer camps. So for some of those wanting to get a jump on it, I don't have an exact date, but, you know, probably by that third week. Be watching. Be watching. And then it'll be March, April, May, and summer camp uh, listings.
0: All right. Very good. Again, Michelle Rumschlag with the Hancock Park District with us this morning. Michelle, thanks very much for the update. Thanks for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the DeWine administration has launched an initiative to streamline operation of state agencies by cutting out nearly one-third of the Ohio Administrative Code. Lieutenant Governor John Husted will join us to talk about finding the sweet spot between good oversight and overburdening red tape. So, Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for This Morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.